Hi, everybody. You're listening to the 15th episode of the Hipster Baseball Podcast. I'm DeCarlo Calloway, alongside Dorian. And on today's podcast, we stroll through a Christmas market, feel the rhythm of the night in Latin America. We review 2020, the year that was, and baseball grades we lost. Take a little sneak peek at baseball in 2021. And we're going to end by talking about tech. But of course, we always begin by talking about the drinks that we are sipping on while we are recording this beautiful podcast. So I want to throw it to my man, Dorian, to get us started. How are you doing today, Dorian? I'm toasty today. Uh, it's getting it's getting colder, cooler throughout the Northern Hemisphere. And the perfect drink for those cooler days and nights is what I'm having today, which is Hark and Holly Glühwein from Germany. It's also called a mold wine. And it's traditionally drank in Christmas markets in Germany, basically in Europe. And it's blue vine meat is German for smoldering wine or glow wine. How was my pronunciation though? Actually, you said glue vine exactly like correctly. So kudos. Awesome. Sehr, awesome. sehr gut. <laughs> das ist gut. So I'm for that, I'm gonna I'm gonna prost myself and take a celebratory drink before I continue. Ooh, it's warm. So normally the one the one I got was it's an easy it's an easy one. You just pour out what you're gonna drink. You put it and you heat it up usually on the stove. Uh, if you want to do fancier ones, you know there there are recipes online that you get some red wine and you throw in what is it coriander and uh, cinnamon and this it's it's very very delicious. If those of you who haven't drank some glue wine, you should definitely get it, especially in the winter time. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. The first time I ever had Glühwein was at a Christmas market in Edinburgh. And my goodness, I was just like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. Why haven't I ever tried this before? <laughs> like in America, like why do we not have Christmas markets where you can sit back and buy it? Like depending on what city you can find a Christmas market, but it's not the same. And, and you know, there's really not that many cities in the U.S. that actually allow open carry uh, containers. So unfortunately, you're not able to drink Glühwein in the streets, but... That you know is a was, great drink. What uh, isn't there? Uh, I'm trying to remember the. Uh, they do have a. I don't want to say a Christmas market, but some kind of Christmas festival in uh, in the Little Italy down at, down in. Uh, well, in it's before Africa. that. It's the San Gennaro festival. It's actually in the San fall. Gen- yeah, yeah, it's it. in that's September. It, yeah. But we there's a Christmas market at Bryant Park. <laughs> okay. But I get, so, I understand it because it's a lot of the red, white, and uh, and green lights. And I think we hung out at San Gennaro. I think we went there one time. At yeah, some we've point. been there a yeah. few times. Yeah. we've been there uh, quite a few times for the bars there. But yeah. they, but they, but the thing is that they also leave it up throughout Christmas. So that's why I get confused. I'm like, surely they have markets when I'm not here. But well, it's because it's Little Italy, so they have the colors of Italy. <laughs> Italy, yeah, the Italian flag of the mar- yeah. or of the margarita pizza. That's what oh, yeah. the what's of the colors of uh, Italy yeah. are. So a few more things on this delicious and very toasty and warm Glühwein is that as a whole wine was actually uh, the first time it's been recorded that a a civilization drank wine was in not only, I'm sorry, the first time that it's been recorded that a civilization drank wine and heated it was was ancient Rome. Of course, they love their uh, vino wine uh, during the second century. And the spice wine was also drank in ancient Egypt around uh, 3,150 BCE. And lastly, prost to the Romans who brought wine to the barbarians at the edges of the empire, meaning what DiCarlo just said, Edinburgh, the Scottish border, uh, the Rhine where this glue vine is from and the Danube rivers, Danube, Danube rivers. So cheers to uh, Harkin Holly glue vine from Germany keeping me toasty what's what's keeping you toasty to carlo well before that you know it's interesting i i remember i had a history like a social studies teacher in ninth grade and he said to me he was like you know the the reason why the romans called barbarians was because they had beards and i, I you know i've never really like even though i like went to school and i'm a I'm historian and yeah i, I had something i gotta look at he's like because the word like barbara like you know how barbara is like the haircut and i'm just like that's not what I heard. What yeah. I read, what I've read and learned was that we call them bar- barbarians. It's the, the it's not from Latin. It's actually from ancient Greek. And Aristotle was the one, not, he was the one that made it famous, but uh, the ancient Romans used to call the, the people from the East, like the Persians in this star, barbar, because mm-hmm. that's the way that the language sounded to them. 
Um, and so it sounded like, uh, what is it, like goats talking bar, bar, and they would mm. call them barbarians. But uh, uh, but the reality was that the Persian Empire was Persian, Persian civilization was probably even more advanced than the ancient Greeks, and that's that was that's the ironic thing. So I I don't think that your history teacher was uh, correct. He probably wasn't good. I went to public school. I went to I, I'm a product of the New York City public school system, so it's very likely. And trust me, as an educator myself, side note, people, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I can tell you sometimes, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of people who unfortunately don't know what they're Pro, doing. to PS71, home of the fighting bulls. <laughs> Amen. Uh, to this evening, I'm drinking Belvier Elderberry Lemonade with uh, Tito's Vodka. It's this high-end, expensive elderberry lemonade that you can get at Whole Foods. It's, it's so... I can tell you a story about that. Like, I, my mother had some once uh at a barbecue and it was actually she had the strawberry lemonade version and you know one day she's like oh my goodness i had this amazing strawberry lemonade and just regular lemonade like you sell it at whole foods could you go get me a couple of bottles and so i go to whole foods and get a couple of bottles and each bottle is like almost eight dollars and i'm just like what the hell it's like it is like selling rocks in this like lemonade is like liquid cocaine or something but i mean it's really good lemonade but it's just it's completely uh it's definitely uh, the 1% type of uh, drink when it comes to refreshments, but it's actually really good. So I'm just going to shut up and just enjoy it. But we, you know, for, for, for a lovely evening, it's nice to have a nice, subtle, lovely drink. That keeps the, these are the drinks that are keeping us warm. And you, listener, share with us what keeps you warm when you listen to the podcast or we just hanging around the house during these uh these the what is it what are they, what's what's that slang the new normal the these extraordinary times so these uh weird like i would even say extraordinary that's a very nice way of putting it considering well, how ancient, the world is it, it it's an ancient chinese curse may you live in interesting times and we certainly are well, that's the crazy thing like when you think about that i i sometimes always pop out and say this to my family and friends i'm just like what an interesting time to be living in. I'm like, it's actually quite exciting. It's just quite, you know, excitement also comes with a little, like, it can be a, a little, little terrifying. Yeah. yeah Heartburning, agita, and all of that. But, you know, back to things that bring, but, to, that warm the heart. What's going and, on in Latin America? Not, well, not just warms the heart, but it also brings out the anxiety, which is a good drink. So feel free to tweet us a picture of what you like to drink, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. Our Twitter handle is at HBP. 4040. And remember to use the hashtag HBP drink. Somewhere where it's always toasty is Latin America. And I'm going to give you a quick overview. As you know, I, I love Latin American baseball, the winter leagues, fantastic competition in, in, the, Repub in the Dominican Republic. They're in the playoffs right now. They're in the semifinals. And Two of our favorite players, Fernando Tatis Jr., the shortstop for the San Diego Padres, who and signed steroids. as a, and Robinson Cano, Mr. Steroids, they uh, they both signed for the just for the playoffs to play with their home team, Estrellas Orientales, the, the stars of the East. And, and right now, that team, as stacked as it is, DeCarlo, they are down three games to one, and they're playing – Tonight, actually, if they, they lose tonight, they get eliminated. And and, and uh, the other team, uh, I forget who it is, goes to the final. So uh, I'm very surprised because when I saw that they signed Fernando Tatis Jr., I'm like, oh, for sure they're going to win the championship. Psych. And another warm place is Nicaragua, flying over the Caribbean Sea again. I want to highlight one, one playoff game, and that was uh, Leon versus Chinandega. This was back on the 27th of December. This is the same team, as I said in episode 14, that they're, they're, they like to have their, their fans apparently as like, that's the best atmosphere in Nicaragua to watch a baseball game. They, they had, they, they had like a band there. They had drums, they had bass, not bass, a brass section. It was crazy. It's just like normal people in the stands and just, just playing all, all game long. And it's not like just noise. They're actually playing music, which is really, really cool. And so then obviously the band was going off for like four innings and they, I'm sure they got a little tired. So they took a break. And that my friends is when HBP's newest DJ, favorite DJ, 
took over. Yeah, I got I, I got I got to contend with that because I'm HVP's favorite DJ. So okay, yes, okay, uh, affiliated favorite second yeah. favorite. And so last week I said that the uh, the DJ he or her were playing all these 90s jams are we I've not sure power. the gender of this person we i don't do we, do we I, have I, to... I i you know what i need to do i knew i need to send a tweet to uh tigres the china day the team the tigers from china day and ask them about their amazing dj because i don't know who it is this is like a five-year-old like kid who just i don't like, think so because it's all he all he or she only does 90s music. What five-year-old kid would know about 90s? Uh, a kid week. in Nicaragua where the 90s just maybe came? I don't know. <laughs> that's, right. that's ridiculous. You're ridiculous, man. Uh, last week, Hey, played, you can't say that's too I, ridiculous when you look at uh, like South Korea and boy bands of just like really like BTS and all of them are a thing. Yeah. And that was a thing back in the late 90s here. So. Yeah, uh, New Kids on the Block and um, New Edition even before that. Mm-hmm. So last week, remember, I, I shared with you guys the DJ played I've Got the Power by Snap, Everybody Dance Now by CNC Music Factory, and Jump Around by House of Pain. This week, he was all of, he didn't, he makes, again, he didn't, he, he's like, you know what, that's last week. I, I got a new set. He was like, this is the rhythm of the night. Oh, night. Oh, yeah. This is the rhythm of the night. Well, my ears are really hurting right now. Oh, yeah. Please stop. 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 <laughs> This is the rhythm of the night by Corona, not the virus. And not band, really, not the, that's a bad one. I would think that they would do like rhythm that of was, the night, like the bars. That oh, one that is was like, a, no, that's better. the eight, yeah, that's the 80s song. This is yeah, the rhythm of the night I'm by like, Corona. This is the rhythm of the night. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. He was cutting it up in between the in between bats. It was awesome. Um, so. Cheers to whoever in the world that DJ is. And I commit, I commit to you that in the year 2020, HPP will send a tweet to Chinandega baseball team and find out who the hell that DJ is because we want I'm him loving to, him. We want him to DJ some bar mitzvahs here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or retirement so wrap, parties. Yeah, exactly. Uh, wrapping up on the, uh, the Nicaraguan baseball is Chinandega, the, the team with the best DJ in the whole league. They're actually they're actually already in the final with two games to spare. So they're one of the teams, and the Rende Norte. We've mentioned them a lot in this podcast. They they ran away with the regular season, the absolute best team. They're actually in third place. They they have to have some some uh, breaks to go their way to be able to be able to qualify for the final, which is actually very surprising. So we're gonna fly back over the the Caribbean Sea and go to Cuba, and there. It's the last week of the regular season, and I'm upset that I didn't see any games this 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 week because Game Time Sports, the channel on YouTube that usually shows Cuban national team, Cuban national baseball, they didn't show any this week, so I didn't get to see my my new favorite player, uh, Cesar, Cesar Pieto from the Elephants of the Town of a, of a Hundred Fires, uh, Cienfuegos. Um, so yeah, so they're they're right now they're, everyone's jockeying for the playoffs. Uh, they have eight teams that make the playoffs, and most of them have already clinched. So. Uh, prost, salute to the uh, playoffs going on in Latin America. It's very exciting. But, you know, in life, there's rebirth and there's also going away. And I think DiCarlo might have something to add to that. Yeah, we had the magnificent seven baseball players, like of really like the golden age of baseball in the 1950s and 60s, who unfortunately passed away in 2020. I mean, 2020 was a year, hard enough year. I mean, it's definitely one that everybody will sit back and say has completely transformed them in some way, shape, or form, no matter which generation that you come from. But we lost Al Kaline uh, out there for the, the Tigers. I don't know. I can't remember if he played outfield, honestly. This is pretty bad. This is called when I'm drinking a little too much. But for the play for Detroit Tigers, had a 297 batting average, 399 home runs, over 1,500 RBIs. You had Tom Seaver, the great Mets pitcher and announcer who passed away. Lou Brock, who was just like an amazing hitter, unfortunately passed away. Bob Gibson, dude who threw heat. They had to change the mound like rules because of this man. Uh, Whitey Ford, Joe Morgan from the Big Red Machine. And then you also had Phil Necro, who was the famous knuckleball pitcher. All of these guys passed away. And it's really, you know, definitely a hard thing for baseball. But as we, you know, 
send our condolences and best wishes unfortunately to those lost we got to look at some of the stories that might be defining oh, wait I, I, I do want to i want to add one thing about all these what these eight guys that you just mentioned al al Kaleen, tom siever gil necro one thing actually uh draws ties all, all these men together we never saw them play because <laughs> we're, well, we're not 60 old, years old or well, no, I mean, unless, well, YouTube, unless you watch them like on yeah. YouTube or something yeah of course these guys played like in the 50s 60s and 70s we're going to say but yes baseball legends we salute you you're, you 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 have gone to the great baseball field in the, in, in, in the sky yeah and so we're going to look at some, uh, like, moving from 2020, we got to move into 2021 because this is the year that we're currently occupying on the seventh day, and this year has not started out very uh, kindly. Uh, but we got some stories that might define baseball for this coming year. So, for one, when we're looking at Major League Baseball, we got to look about the collective bargaining agreement. Unfortunately, this is something that seems as though we always have to look at relatively soon when it comes to baseball because – the labor union, which is pretty much one of the strongest, is the strongest union in the world. And Major League Baseball, they always have to come to an agreement about something. And the pandemic, uh, length of time within the season, as well as baseball players getting priority when it comes to vaccinations for coronavirus or something that's on the docket regarding that, which is something that I don't think anybody, you know, looking back to 2021 prior to the pandemic, but would, would be another uh, – uh, factor that you have to like bring into the equation come 2021 when it comes to the CBA, but this is definitely something that they ought to think about. It. It's, it's interesting, but you know, hopefully, the logistical business aspect of it, they can kind of find an agreement that works for both parties, but also make sure that it keeps people safe and you know, make sure that those who will eventually attend baseball games as well as the players are all in an environment that's going to be conducive towards fun as well as safety. What are your thoughts? I I don't even know. Like you, you had you had brought this up a few a few episodes ago about potentially the baseball season being pushed back. Usually, a baseball season starts at the very end of March slash the beginning of April, and it, it, the point of the CBA the the CB what, what does the CBA stand for? The collective uh, bargaining agreement. Collective bargaining agreement. Correct. All that down, all that is coming down to money. That's that's it. That's it. Because if you go two years without fans, then you're really hitting revenue with the players and the owners. Then I would have some sympathy for the owners. One year, I'm not, I have zero sympathy for the owners. Two years, the players are also missing out on money. So it's really just going to be about how they allocate that money. That's, that's really that's all it is. Like they don't care how many games they play. If they play fifty games, if they play one hundred and fifty games, it's all how that ticket stadium money is going to be allocated. How the TV revenue money is going to be allocated. How the playoff money is going to be allocated. Because when you go to a stadium and you play, you pay your ridiculous fifty dollars to park or your twenty seven dollar beer. All that goes to the owner. That does the the, the, the players don't share in any of that. It'll be interesting to see if they're able to even keep up those type of price tallies, considering that so many people are, you know, out of work and are not going to really be, you know, utilizing a lot more variable or might not even be in possession of enough variable income to just be able to go and spend it on going to a game because games are not cheap. I mean, not at all. a $12 beer, $27 you- beer at the Yankee Stadium. <laughs> well i mean not really I'm, I'm well, no, actually not well, not too far I yeah, mean, you're, you're yeah. right it's it's extremely expensive and that's something i think that's going to have to be reconsidered but i think also one thing that really brings to mind and especially when you think about how say owners are not having sympathy but this also brings something to mind when you just think about a lot of like how people really spend their capital in businesses a lot of the time they really don't prepare for the unlikely event of and so you, you look at it from the outside and you're like, oh my God, you're a multi-billion dollar like corporate industry and you're not, you can't like get through a year. And then when you look at players and you're saying, oh my God, you, guy who doesn't even get on the field is making six figures and yet you have not prepared or had some money stashed away that if you do have an abrupt halt 
to activities that you're not able to take care of yourself. And then you're crying foul as though you need to be on the food line. It's really, I think that's really the most disheartening thing. I think people think about when it comes to revenue, when it comes to baseball owners or business owners, or just like wealthy people, it's like you have resources, but yet you don't adequately prepare for the event of certain things. And then you're crying foul when it happens to, to hit you. And then you'll have other people who are upset, but that's another conversation for a different guys. <laughs> And girls, we just want to let you know that this uh, we're going to do a new podcast on financial management advisory, which is going to be headed up by Tecarlo. I mean, but it's true. <laughs> I mean, just thinking about other stuff, but right. I it, mean, it, that's it, one thing to consider. It's no different. A business is no different than a household in the sense of things are, surprises are going to happen. Sometimes you're not going to have that revenue. Sometimes you're not going to have that income or that salary that you, you should build up uh, a defense a budget, so to speak, to tide you over, whether it's two months, four months, a year. I mean, that's a, that's asking for a lot for a household, but businesses are no different. And some of these, as, as we're seeing, some of these teams are not run like businesses. They're, they're run by, by opportunists that don't see around the corner. There could be, there could be catastrophe as DeCarlo was basically uh, hinting at. Yeah, it just shows that a lot of people don't understand the system of capitalism and that we, with no, it. We need financial literacy, DeCarlo. That's what we need literacy needs. all over the place because I yeah. think, especially when you see a lot of unfortunate like people out there, there's I, I society unfortunately is not as learned as it should be, but that's another conversation. DeCarlo, for we a are time. <laughs> DeCarlo, we are doing our our bit by doing this podcast and doing the, that soon to come financial management advisory podcast. So modest you are, Dorian. <laughs> I'm not modest. I'm just saying, I, you know, I, maybe, I, maybe just we can do a financial management thing. No, it's true. But I mean, we also got to look at like, apart from the business side of baseball, I think this is something, uh, another like aspect of baseball that really needs to be addressed is how is baseball going to reinvent itself after this pandemic? Even still, before the pandemic, I'll be really honest. Baseball, yeah. I grew up watching baseball, played Little League, played Pony Leagues. And, you know, there are times that I would be, like, super captivated, and there would be other times I just would be completely turned off. And you have to say that when you look at the landscape now, with the media landscape and the television rights and – opening up, you know, the democratization of sports, internationally speaking, not just, you know, Americans watching American sports, you have Americans being able to tap in and watch sports from other countries. I mean, even during the pandemic, uh, I think it was in like April and May, the only sports that was actually broadcasting was Korean baseball. And so there are people who actually got into Korean baseball as well. Like how is MLB going to reinvent itself for the 21st century, especially like, baseball is a sport that unless like anybody who loves baseball can point to a time where it captivated them that kept them like into it because one thing that i find with the novice um baseball like fan or the non-baseball fan they'll they'll be exposed to it by watching it on television and they'll say oh my god it's so long it's boring how could you sit back and do this but then when you go to a game and you're in the environment and you feel the energy of people and the camaraderie. And especially if it's like a hometown team and it's just a moment that hits. Like I remember the specific moment where I fell in love with baseball. It was 1993 and it was July, 1993. I went to a Yankees game against the Toronto Blue Jays. And we were sitting right behind the, my family and I were sitting right behind the dugout at Yankee stadium behind the Yankees dugout. And I fell in love with it. It was just the energy of the people, the feeling, getting to the stadium, you know, walking through those gates. That that endeared me to baseball. And so it's going to be interesting to really see how the next generation of fans, potential fans, or even just your your average everyday fan who might not be so comfortable being in an open environment with people or find themselves just sitting at home and don't have that same experience of wanting to watch a baseball game. How is, how is MLB going to really revamp itself for this time? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Major League Baseball has been asking themselves that particular question for decades. And the last time they answered it was 
sticking needles in their butt cheeks <laughs> with yeah. the steroids abuse back in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And everyone be, everyone be, became an ostrich, stuck their head in the sand and said, there's no problem. There's no steroids issue in baseball. Of course there is. And, but people love seeing home runs. People love seeing excitement. But you're right. At, that's an interesting thought, though. I, like, I never, like, uh, sorry to cut you off, but that's really interesting if you just look at how people are willing to ignore like glaring truths and, and terrible things in order for exposure and money. Because more butts were in the seats in the stadium, more $27 beers were being consumed, more eyeballs were, were on the, the More television. ESPN 30 for 30 programming that was developed as a result of these things. It's, and yeah. You man. know, as much as I love baseball and I, I, I completely get people saying, oh, baseball slow, baseball boring. You know what? I... I can see some justification. And the reality is that in this last season, which was they only played 60, 60 games, when they had double headers, it was both the games were seven innings long instead of nine innings. And I enjoyed that. I think that maybe baseball doesn't need to go from nine innings to seven innings, but do we really need 162 games? Do we really need – it's just people feel as if baseball season lasts – like the administration of a pap of a papacy it's like 27 years is one baseball season it's just on all the time from april until the end of october i say take some away be like george uh, george costanza from seinfeld keep them wanting more instead of 162 games why don't you play 120 games instead of playing five six times a, 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 se- a season five six times a week play four times a week every other day so it's like oh wait you know i want to watch it i want to watch it because as a baseball fan you're like i can turn on the tv during baseball season and i know a game's gonna be on television at saturation keep the like make the food spicy make it delicious but don't overpower it that that's that's my issue with baseball we really don't need 162 games it that's just for money that's all it is mm-hmm. but but, it, but the problem is you don't gain new followers. You don't gain new fans. So yeah. in the end, you're going to cost in the long run, you're, you're going to cost your business money because you're putting your product out there way too many times. And unfortunately, maybe they'll learn a little, maybe this pandemic will allow them to see that maybe 162 games isn't the best route and maybe creating a product that's going to keep your uh, consumer engage and also willing to come back i don't know I, I, they definitely need to revamp because honestly a lot of the other like i will say this major league baseball is almost falling in the same category as national hockey like the nhl it is it is, it is. It, it, you know for one i'll even have to say this the nfl has kind of taken a hit so far this season it's like i know a lot of people still watch it, the nfl but i think with cte i think with the fact that the like the NFL doesn't seem to really appreciate that. Yeah. The byproduct of all the concussions. I don't think the NFL seems to actually appreciate their players as much. And people are starting to really get that. Like you're seeing the NBA that's leapfrogging it. You're seeing soccer and European leagues that's leapfrogging it. Um, Highlight. Wow. You're taking a (laughs) highlight. Really dude. Like we're talking about Greyhound racing. Okay. But still, like they, they need to they need to revamp themselves, and uh, you know we'll we'll talk about other ways that they're going to be trying to do that in our uh, next episode when we revisit uh, some of the things to look out for twenty twenty one. But first, the message from our sponsors. So starting twenty twenty one right now, definitely feeling completely out of it. Twenty twenty kicked our behinds, you know, it changed the way that we looked at the world change the way that we live with each other, change the way we, in which we communicate. Hell, I feel completely off by the fact that I can't sit back when I see my friends and loved ones to give them a hug. I kind of feel scared to do so. But unfortunately, like, fortunately, excuse me, not unfortunately. Fortunately, I can get a jolt to kind of bring me out of that. And that jolt comes from Jolt Cola. So think about this, people. When you sit back and you think about how this world and this year has completely knocked you off your rocker and that you feel as though you're completely out of it, grab a jolt. It will bring you up and it will shoot you around the stars. Jolt Cola, have you had your jolt today? 
I, I, I'm going to add that I'm definitely going to wash down this glue vine afterwards with some delicious Joe Cola that I put in my freezer. I love to drink it super, super cold. Wow, that's really gangster because that caffeine is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so I need that caffeine to, to, to produce ideas for the financial management podcast. Well, what about some of these like new ideas of tech that's going to be invading Oh, okay. so so you're changing the set. You're we're moving on to the next segment because let's talk about tech, baby. Let's talk about you and me. We're gonna, you want to talk? If about you tech? guys could see my face <laughs> having to endure this terrible like singing of '90s songs, I am an goodness. amazing. I am an amazing karaoke singer. Okay, I, I can there. see I, that after like five drinks, though. Like I mean, like after five. I'm drinks. almost done with this glue vine. I have like I have my glue vine in. Uh, this is like about a twenty ounce coffee mug thingamajig. So I'm almost done with it. I didn't know coffee uh, mugs are thingamajigs. I just thought they were coffee mugs. Okay, whatever. You know what I mean. <laughs> the glue vine, the nine percent alcohol is, is hitting me. So uh, the more I drink, the better I sound. Anyway, so let's talk about tech. What what else are we looking forward to in 2021 in our unsolicited advice? segment and you're gonna have to tell me why this is unsolicited advice well you gotta think about it 2021 is bringing in some interesting things so for one we have to look at for one interesting tech new vaccines before anything we have to sit back and think about how for one as crazy as it is and i know a lot of listeners and people might just be thinking like oh my god like this coronavirus vaccine came out super super quick but there's new fact there's new technology that has been developed in science you know that has changed the way vaccines are created and distributed also just you know thinking about how the the financial push behind the coronavirus vaccine because of the dire need of having something to help quell this because of the economic turmoil that is created worldwide has pretty much put the greatest and best scientific minds together to create a new vaccine. So that's number one. That's like the, the top creme of the creme when it comes to technology right now. mRNA vaccines and adrenovirus vaccines that are enhanced in a way that will not turn you into a zombie, hopefully. Um, but also, what are you some mean of like, the- You mean like Will Smith's movie? What oh my God, called? I've thought about that so much. Well, like, what's honestly, the movie called? Um, I Am Legend. I am legend. I keep thinking of AI, which is a different Will Smith. Yeah, movie. I yeah, am that's legend. That's the one where uh, they they cure cancer yes. and then you turn into a zombie. Yes, they cure <laughs> cancer with uh, a virus, which then in- gives you the Crippen virus, which is named after the scientist who created it. But that was actually a remake of the Omega Man, which is a movie with Charleston Heston, Charlton Heston, and the NRA guy who uh, I did not know who, you know, aka and- Moses, for those of you who went to Catholic school. Mm-hmm. and who might have been yeah, anyway i'm not gonna go there but uh so <laughs> so damn it i lost my train of thought what was i just saying <laughs> you were talking about uh, zombies anyway zombies. so yeah so i like i honestly to be really honest and true like i've been watching to see like people who've gotten second dose to make sure that they haven't like had some weird like effects and also because and this is sad that we as humans unfortunately when we're introduced to new technology we have such a large like this is a good thing and a bad thing that we have such a large like level of skepticism or paranoia that was like oh my god what if like turn to me but this is what hollywood does to us um but i digress looking at other stuff but one of the things that we've done while we've been working from home and whatever, it's been shopping more online. You know, Amazon Prime was such a completely changed, like game-changing type of thing. Jeff Bezos was laughed at when he first came up with the idea of like giving uh, preferred shoppers the opportunity to pay for a subscription service which allowed them to get two-day shipping, but it actually worked. But it's also now looking at using augmented reality to be able to change that because one of the one of the most difficult things is shopping online. And one thing that most people who do like to shop, especially not trying to discriminate or anything, but just to say like women, like I worked in retail for some time and I, though I'm not a complete expert, but one thing that most people would say, and most women would agree, is that when they shop, they will sit back. They want to feel it. They want to touch it. They want to be able to experiment whatever it is that they're bringing. Men, we go and we shop, we buy, we know what we want, we buy it, we leave because we don't want to sit there and spend it much more time anyway. But for those who really enjoy the shopping experience, 
having something, especially say if you're online shopping for clothes, you can't really try it. You order it and then you have to return it back. You might not have an Amazon like bookstore clothes that you could just drop it off or Dropbox or anything like that. So it's, it's more problematic. So you're having augmented reality, like utilize like filters being used by online shoppers, which is something that you're going to have to start looking to see. You're going to see a lot of like merchants starting to utilize this technology and they're working in, in collaboration with say snap incorporated, which is the parent, the parents of the company of Snapchat to develop like filters. So say for instance, you go and you need to buy a new pair of glasses. You can go online and you could take a picture of yourself and it's going to put the glasses and utilize like your face to then show you how you would look or having like a, like the Pokemon Go technology that you would use to be able to catch them. Like that's what augmented reality <laughs> is. And they're going to be having this. Like this is something yeah. that's going to be happening more because a lot of people, even after vaccines and stuff, like, yeah, there's a level of humanity but I can tell you this, like I, I've gone to Macy's and I've gone shopping. And when people come close to me, I'm just like, get away from me. I was like that even pre-pandemic. So I'm kind of like that even more now because- You sound like a like, very friendly dude if we ever I'm run really into not. you on the, on the streets of New York. I, I'm really not. Like it's sad. <laughs> people have come up to me like in years past and it's like, are you DiCarlo? And I'm like, no, I don't know who that is. And I've just walked down the street, even though I know that's me. Like, I'm just like, no, I don't know that guy. That's not me. So yeah, but um, who's asking? Who's asking? I mean, another thing is just now that many people are working from home, it's yeah. Wi-Fi connectivity. You know, this is one of the things for one, if you are living in an affluent neighborhood or you have dip, like good Wi-Fi, that's great. But there's a lot of people who don't live in affluent communities who don't have a lot of Wi-Fi connectivity that's needs it. And they need it now even more than ever, because for one, you have remote learning, you have remote work. So you're going to see a change in Wi-Fi connectivity as well as 5G. We've heard this. We've heard that, you know, there are people who, who proclaim that 5G has led to coronavirus and a bunch of other crap, which is wrong. Uh, coronavirus is a respiratory disease that we think believe came from bats, but it's not from 5G technology. But you're going to see 5G, more, more 5G technology. And, and even the 5G that they've pretty much... Uh, put out there has been kind of lacking considering now that you have more smartphones, Apple has created a smartphone that's 5G connectivity. You have more uh, phones from Samsung, but they've throttled a lot of that, but you're going to see that changing. Contact-free payment systems. People don't want to use cash anymore and uh, people don't want to touch your credit card anymore. So you're going to see a lot of that. You already see the tap payments, but you're going to see more like Apple Pay, Venmo, a lot of these things like CVS is actually implementing Venmo like payment uh, stations within their, uh, what is it, the automated payment systems. And um, you're going to see more actual like virtual workspaces, meeting spaces where it's not just we're on a meeting call from Zoom, you're like in a physical like virtual reality space where you might be able to put on a headset and walk around. And then somebody might be live streaming there. You're talking to an avatar. Like that's the type of stuff that we're going to see a lot more because one benefit that we could say, especially for people who work in office jobs, it's annoying that you've had to commute. Most people have lived in the suburbs or lived outside of the cities or within cities or moved close to expensive cities. And now you're realizing that for one with remote learning, you can, or remote working, excuse me, or learning that you could be at home with your family, not so much so learning, learning needs to be done in a school, but working, you can be at home, take care of a lot of stuff and still work and still be productive and get a lot more stuff done. So you're going to see that possibly happening a lot too within 2021. I'm, I'm going to push back on the payment of no more credit card, no cash. I understand that. I mean, no one wants to touch cash, but the credit cards, what if, why would you not want to have a credit card if if you have an American Express Centurion, the, the black card, how in the world are people going to know that you have it if all you I do is just heavy. put your phone up? Yeah, but if you don't have the card, if it's just like an app to go pay for your Jolt Cola at CVS, who's going to know? Just a, that's, that's the whole that's point. A, that's the whole just, point of having a black American Express Centurion That's like card rocking a big everyone. belt buckle at a rodeo, man. Like, seriously. I mean, they might have the black app, but I mean, it's not going to take away from that. Like, you still have, like, content payments with just, like, tapping it. So you Look. might still have that, like, gaudy dude who's like, you know what? 
I got a small wing ding, but I got a black card. So here you go. You know what I, I mean? I'll, so I want to make it clear. I do not have an American Express black card because uh, we don't make that much money off of this podcast and Jolt pays us in, in Jolt Coke cans. So, you know, we, <laughs> the resale value isn't that high as much as we love all of our wonderful sponsors. <laughs> but when you're uh, you're talking about you're talking about 5G earlier and I'm I'm super super interested in what 5G can do to this to this glo- to the global economy because a lot of people are saying that 5G is going to be the the, the next in the next the fourth global revolution in the sense of industrial revolution of an economic revolution and 5G basically I'm going to try to whittle this down as quickly as possible is 5G is going to be about a hundred times faster connectivity than what you're normally experiencing right now on your laptop, on your phone, on your tablet, et cetera, or on your fault, on your watch. The latency is going to be negligible. And that is going to allow, that's going to explode, allowing for potential in, the, in telemedicine. That's the one I keep focusing on. If you have 5G, they, I think it was two years ago in China, they already did a brain surgery where the surgeon was in one city in China and the patient was in a completely different other city. And he did brain surgery on this patient who was hundreds of miles away. It's incredible that there is no latency. Well, again, it's almost, it's almost negligible. But 5G also brings um, national security issues for those who are interested in that sort of stuff. The, the one that always gets a lot of press in the, the, the current affairs, national security news is uh, Huawei, which is a company in China. And it's act, it was actually founded by a gentleman named uh, Ren Shenfei. And he's kind of shady. It's under, it's under, it's believed that he used to be an uh, uh, intelligence officer in the People's Liberation Army in China. And so in China, as you may, you, as you probably know, the communists run that place and the communists, they don't play around. If they want you to do something for them, you're going to do it. Or you're going to go to jail. The way I, the way I try to explain to people is what was it? I think it was like four or five years ago when that horrific shooting happened in San Bernardino in California. And the FBI was trying to get Apple, Tim Cook, the CEO to unlock that phone. And Tim Cook very diplomatically raised his hand and stuck his middle finger to the FBI and said, nope, I'm not doing it. And today, Tim Cook is walking around. Well, maybe he's, he's, he's sheltered in place, but he's a free man. If that had happened in, China, in communist China, <laughs> there's, there's, you don't say no to the communist party. They, they, the communist party does not respect the rule of law. China, communist China is the rule by law, not the rule of law. Oh yeah, people thought Jack Ma was missing. Like the last is couple it, of days. Isn't he? Where, where is he? Nobody knows. He's he's quote unquote <laughs> missing. I think he has uh, gone missing, as as most people do. You might find his countries. body like floating up in the South China Sea somewhere. Who knows? I wouldn't be surprised. The, no, seriously, that's the that's Jack Ma crazy. is the founder and president of Alibaba, which is a lot of times people say Alibaba is the Amazon, like Amazon of China, of but, China but, but Alibaba does the. I've never understood that because Amazon does retail. Alibaba does wholesale. Like you can go and find a dress, but you have to buy 10,000 of them. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's the same, but not. The whole point is that it's an online, online selling platform, which in that case, you can say it's kind of like a Walmart or Amazon. But yeah. um, it's, it's, it's going to be, I was going to say on the, the national security implications is really interesting because now like, it's so interesting to think. And I think just retrospectively thinking, like it was like 1996, America Online. You know what I mean? Dial up. Nobody had the clue how much the internet (laughs) would completely change. Like, honestly, when I sit back and think about the iterations of the internet and, and internet and technologies that have popped up as a result of the internet, and I kind of almost feel like, man, I wish I could have like seen where this could have gone, like where this would be as it is now. And it's completely like 
eliminating the gates and stuff, but then it's also opening up Pandora's box because we've seen how social media. I remember when I was in college and you could, if you figure this out, when social media really started proliferating, like we can go from Friendster, MySpace to Facebook. Nobody ever thought about the bad thing about this. It was like, it's like, it's like, oh my God, I could sit back. I could post pictures of myself. I could talk to people that I didn't know all across. Like nobody thought about like, oh wait, I can sit back and create and spread this. Well, people did, but nobody really conceptualized it to such a grand scheme. Like, oh wait, I could spread this information and completely create an echo chamber and, you know, live in a different reality based on the internet because I can link with like-minded people and we just reinforce our thoughts. And so it's really interesting when you think about 5G, that's going to like power cities. Like, I mean, this technology, if, if actually implemented properly, can really completely change the way that we live in a short it, it, period it of time. It will be. And going back to that latency that there is not going to be like when you're on your phone or on your laptop, you see that blue circle of death. You're like, what's wrong? The system's all jammed up. There's too many people trying to access. That's going to be completely eliminated. You will be, and I'm saying will, in this decade, in the 2020s, you're going to be able to order groceries and have those groceries delivered to you by an autonomous van. No one, it's not like now where you can go to Amazon Prime and someone physically delivers you the groceries. In a few years time, that van will not have an individual in it. And the same thing if you take public transportation, you take the metro, subway, or buses, all that will not, there won't be a human actually in the carriage, in the bus, in the the carriage. Yeah, in the car- I just said in the carriage. It's going to be incredible. And the, the thing is that this is the only things that we can, these are one of some of the few things that we can envision right now. In four years' time, who knows what else we're going to be able to do with 5G. And lastly, national security concerns are Huawei is offering all these developing countries around the world and even some U.S. allies cheaper equipment to to roll out 5g but it comes with very onerous loans because a lot of these countries don't have the money to even buy it they saddle them with debt and of course when the chinese need when the, not the chinese the chinese are a beautiful wonderful people the communists are not when the communist government says hey we want to skim some of the data that's going through your 5g network we want to destroy, if you make us angry, we can disrupt some of that. It, they're, they're, the Communist Party is using 5G as a co- tool of co- co- coercion. It's awful. And the, the, the Communist Chinese Party has arguably, even better than the U.S., facial recognition. Yeah. And that's how they've been able to detain, it's not even detain, let's be honest. They, they put they put the Uyghurs put in Western camps. China in concentration camps. They, and, it's and they an, make a lot of the, the outrageous. You know, the crazy thing is, is that like a lot of like the face mat- medical masks are made with Uyghurs. And some of them, when I've got from work, are like with Chinese like labels. I'm like, oh, this was made by Uyghurs. Like it's- In the West, if you guys don't know this, this is, this is, this is an abomination of what's going on right now on this planet of what the Chinese are doing, uh, incarcerating over a million Uyghurs in Western China, simply because of the fact that they're Muslim and they don't, they are uh, sheep to the communist uh, way of thinking. Why does, this, why does this matter to you? Who cares? When the Chinese are rolling, when the communist party is rolling out 5G, their best friends, boom, are other dictatorships. Other dictatorships want to keep their population under control with facial recognition. 5G, face, 5G that facial recognition is running on, lowers the cost of dictatorship. It's it's going to be unbelievable the destruction that the communist Chinese party is going to roll out, but hopefully, with the advent not with the advent but with the work that Western companies like the the, the Finnish um, Nokia and Ericsson and maybe even Samsung from South Korea, but Samsung's very behind on on five G technology. Um, we can roll out and help our allies. Um, and also us holding back semiconductors and other microprocessors. Yeah, I, 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 that, 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 yeah, we're going on a different, completely different thing. Yeah. But that's not really that is not going to hamper the the communists in the long run. In the short one, absolutely. But they've already they have already uh, they have already allocated 
billions and billions of dollars to create their own Silicon Valley. And if you don't think that by the end of the decade, they're going to be at par with the U.S. Might even be over par. You're not. It it really depends. You want to be realistic. No, it really, like, honestly, it really depends on how much, like, R&D investment that the U.S. is going to actually be making within the next administration. It's it's not going to match the Communist Party, I'll tell you that much. Uh, Yeah, especially because when they're one road strategy, like, especially building up a lot of... Oh, yeah, 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 like, infrastructures in Africa and Eastern Europe, like... They, they, they've realized soft power is, you know what, we'll help you build up your infrastructure. We're not going to get involved until later on. It's like, you know, I'll give you a hamburger today, but I want $2 tomorrow type of thing. It's, but, you know, when you think about it, you have to always remember people when they're in need. And this is what, what was the beauty of the United States, especially after World War II, was that all the other nations were left in ruin and we were the only ones standing. And from then on, we were able to pretty much create the dialogue. We used our soft power in a way that allowed for people to buy, to really believe, you know, about the American way and American dream. And China is the Chinese communist party has really utilized that. And Xi Jinping, keep in mind, this is, you know, he's, he lived in the United States for a while in Iowa. You not realize that Xi Jinping was an exchange. Like he went on a Chinese American exchange in Iowa. Hence why he had like a, the, what was it? It was one, I think it was one of Trump's. That's the um, president of the the communist communist, communist China. China. But there was, I believe it was the, like Trump uh, administration's first agricultural secretary had a very, very close relationship with them because they like knew each other from that time. And, um, so yeah like i mean it's gonna be an interesting decade it's been very uh tumultuous it's going to be a fun decade it's gonna be a fun decade because it depends on which position you're standing from though after 2020 but on that bright note of uh dictatorships facial recognition and concentration camps in western china we're gonna talk about hamburgers again and you know who loves hamburgers (laughs) our pets our pets dogs Birds, chickens, ducks. I don't know if my birds like hamburgers. They like maybe. broccoli, though. Well, there you go. Well, maybe you can make them a broccoli-based yeah, they're vegans. patty. <laughs> a broccoli-based patty is what I meant. Mm. So, listener, send us, a, send us a picture on Twitter of your pets listening to the podcast or just hanging out with you during these toasty times in the Northern Hemisphere. We're going to retweet any of the pictures you send us. Our Twitter handle, again, is at HBP 4040. And remember to use the hashtag HBPets, H-B-P-E-T-S. And that's a wrap for us this week, people. So, of course, we want to thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and give us a review. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at HBPets at HBP 4040. And of course, our drinks will be in the show notes. Join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hipster Baseball Podcast. Take care, stay safe, and peace out.